Hello, and welcome back to our latest installment of Eye for an Eye. We are your hosts, Julia, Lisa, and Matt, and we are here to determine whether the punishment, or lack thereof, fits the crime. Due to the graphic nature of some of the topics we will be touching on, listener discretion is advised. Hello. Good evening, and welcome to The Price is Right. No, I'm just kidding. It's I for an iPod. What's up, y'all? Hi. I'm here with my lovely co-host is tell them what's up, ladies. What up, ladies? We are chilling again on Zencaster because... There was some scary rain and stuff out. You can have up to 10 people hit us up if you want to be in the show. We have another riveting case for everybody. Riveting. Riveting. There wasn't a murder. That's a little bit different. If you listen to the episode that dropped today, which is March 7th, there is not a murder in there either. Just sprinkling in a little something different for you. It wasn't a murder. No, not this time. I like it. Cool. Less morbid. It's something different. Maybe pulling in a different audience. And this is a case that I had not heard of. And I've been keeping it a little bit of a secret from Matt and Lisa because I just think it's wild. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm going to jump right in. Today, we're going to talk about Elizabeth Gilpin. I didn't really know anything about her. And I don't know what led me to her memoir, but that's what inspired me. When you Google the name Elizabeth Gilpin, you'll find some information about a beautiful woman. She's an actress, a writer, a producer, and she's known for work on various short films and TV shows. Only when you dig a little further will you uncover the dark and tragic events of Elizabeth's childhood. Girls, anything real quick before we dive into the dark and tragic events? Anything we would know her from? Any show? There was a couple things, and then I took them out, and I don't know why. She has an IMDb page. You could look her up. I'm going to pull her up. Yeah. yeah. I'm just wondering if I recognize her from anything. But Yeah, I think it was more a couple short films in the festivals that are still big, but don't necessarily make it super mainstream. People who like and watch those movies, the rest of us heard about them. Like, oh. Right. And I will not sit here and pretend to be a, a super film expert or anything like that. In present company, I won't either. Depending on who I'm with, I might. I might. Right. So, I mean, look at it, check out her IMDb page because she has one, which is cool. Elizabeth wrote her memoir, which came out in July of 2021. It's called Stolen. It talks about her experiences. I don't want to give too much away. I'm just going to jump right in. At age 15, Elizabeth was defiant and angry. She was constantly getting into trouble. Not so much the trouble. I didn't get into trouble, but 15, I feel like that's an age where you're just like angry. I got into trouble all the time, every single day. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe that's a girl thing, but I don't know. Oh, no, I got in a lot of trouble when I was 15. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like you have a couple years where you're angry at everyone and you hate everything. Elizabeth had lied to her parents about a car accident. She was with her friends and got into a car accident and came home and just... I guess lying isn't the the right word. She omitted it. She's never told them about it. She had gotten drunk at a dinner before a homecoming dance or something like that, that her mom had to come pick her up. She was buying drugs. She was just a little, maybe a little more amped up than I guess my teenage troubles or quote unquote normal teenage troubles. But yeah, because I did all that shit. 
Yeah, I mean, we've all had our moments, but it seems that she had a lot of moments. And she would scream at her parents, have these huge outbursts, and just was like having a hard time. On the other hand, she was an athlete. She was a soccer player. She was a friend. She was a decent student, not necessarily getting straight A's, but she wasn't failing. She was a sister. She was a daughter. She was a lot of things. Her defiance and her anger was just one part of it. One night, as she lay sleeping in her bed, a man and a woman grab her by the wrists and ankles, jolting her from her sleep and pull her from bed. Let's go, they say, and Elizabeth is obviously alarmed. Fighting, kicking, and screaming, the strangers drag Elizabeth to the front door of her home, where Elizabeth sees her father standing in the doorway. Her father says nothing as the strangers put Elizabeth into the back of an SUV and drive her away from her home in South Carolina into the wilderness. And that's when the, the law and order, dun-dun. I was just about dun-dun. Yeah. She's woken from her sleep. Arguably one of the scariest things, even when somebody is not attempting to carry you from your bed. Just like, I don't know, being, being. This sounds like the place that Paris Hilton went. It, it isn't, but we'll talk about her a little bit later. Elizabeth's captors finally stop the car and they drop her off and she's in the middle of the woods. She was told she would be camping and she was told she will now be referred to as number 13. She doesn't know anything. The first phase of Elizabeth's camp was something called Earth Phase, during which she was not able to eat cooked food. Her diet consisted of uncooked rice, dehydrated beans. She was not able to speak to others unless it was a staff member, and she slept in a sleeping bag on the floor right next to the camp counselors, if you can even call them that. As her name implied, she was one of 13 teenage girls at this camp. After about a week of Earth phase, Elizabeth moved on to the next phase, which was fire phase. In this phase, you could heat your food only if you could start a fire with something called a bow drill, which I had to look up. There's like a stick and a string, I think. Don't quote me on that. She could eat warm food if she could cook it herself, essentially. There was group therapy and she was given slightly more freedom. Obviously, each phase is supposed to be something better. As you can imagine, there were many horrible aspects of working through these phases. The girls did not have access to an outhouse or even a shower. They had to use natural water and a bandana to get clean. At one, at one point, Elizabeth was forced to eat her weekly ration of green peppers, which she hated, before the group could hike to their next location. And Elizabeth threw up while eating the peppers and was forced to eat her own vomit. Part of her weekly ration of food was the peppers. I think she hid them or something and they found out that she didn't eat them. They made her eat them all. And then she threw up and they made her eat her vomit, which is arguably one of the most disgusting things I've heard ever. That is fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah. After three months of this inhumane treatment in the woods, Elizabeth graduated, and I say that in air quotes, to a school called Carlbrook Therapeutic Boarding School, and it's in Halifax, Virginia. Carlbrook, this is a quote from the book. Carlbrook, that's one of the fancy schools. It wasn't home. At least it wasn't locked down, though. And I was finally getting out of the woods after three miserable months. Compared to all that, how bad could this other place be? Very bad. Obviously, you only include a quote like that when 
Unfortunately, Elizabeth thought it couldn't get worse, and as we'll talk about, it did. Different than the all-girls setup of the camp that she was previously in, Carlbrook housed both male and female children. The children were sent there for some of the following reasons. If they were abusing substances, if they had academic issues, mental health issues, if they were having an inappropriate sexual behaviors and other sort of trauma. The treatment plan, and that's, I'm putting in air quotes as well, for these children, regardless of the larger issues at play, was modeled after aspects from a cult called Synanon. We'll talk about that because who doesn't love a little side tangent about cults? Synanon was founded by Charles E. Dederick Chuck, as I'll call him for now on, in 1958. Originally, it was called the Tender Loving Care Club, and Chuck essentially recruited people from his AA meetings and brought them back to his apartment where he discussed his theories on addiction, quoting people like Emerson and Thoreau. This is awful, and this is something we'll discuss later on. The original aspect of Synanon and the Tender Loving Care Club is preying on people when they're already in a really vulnerable state. People at AA obviously are in different levels of their recovery and all that sort of stuff, but they're vulnerable people. At this point in time, he's just taking them back and talking to them about his own theories. It's weird and annoying, but it's not crossing a line. But the line eventually was crossed. When Chuck started something he called The Game, this is a quote from the book. The game was an attack circle, an experiment in radical honesty and saying all the things polite society would never allow. Members would split up into small groups and confront one another for hours, revealing dark truths and shameful secrets that the rest of the circle would then viciously criticize. When it came to the game, anything was allowed as long as it wasn't physical violence. I had mentioned about people being vulnerable. You're opening up in this circle where you think that you can trust people. And then the whole point of the game was to use those insecurities or secrets or whatever it was and have them thrown back at your face. Unfortunately, though, the game was just the tip of the iceberg. Synanon went on to involve incidences of forced sterilization, which I don't even want to think about too much on what that all entailed, spouse swapping, and the creation of a paramilitary group, um, etc. It was just started off as maybe an innocent way to connect further, but it it became a, a hot mess. Mel Wasserman, who was a Synodon follower, took the concepts and created a school called SEDU, advertised to children who had lost their way. He's kind of capitalizing on some of the things that he learned in Synodon and and just gearing it towards children. I have a question. Any guesses on what SEDU means? Charles E. Derrick University. The school's motto was, see yourself as you are and do something about it. Again, maybe not a bad idea in... I like that. That's the least crazy thing ever. Right. Maybe not a bad idea in its idea phase, but it was awful. Mel had his own version of the game from Synanon, which he called Raps. To kind of tie everything together and recap, Synanon was... A system for drug addicted adults, which became CEDU. CEDU was a branch, which was a program for drug addicted teenagers, which became 
a system for any sort of troubled teenager or child. If it was substance abuse, just general misbehavior, mental health issues, all these children just kind of got funneled into this horrible system. More schools began to expand from CEDU, and as naturally happens when growth competitors come in from there, we have Carl Brook. Not focusing on the issues, right? Like if you're having uh, inappropriate sexual activities, you might have an underlying mental health issue or you might have underlying insecurities or just need therapy. And that's not really what happened. Synanon had the game, CEDU had raps, and at Carlbrook, which we'll talk about, they had something called request groups. When she first got to Carlbrook, Elizabeth was placed on bands, which meant that she couldn't talk to anyone. Again, similar to her earth phase, she was mostly just allowed to talk to staff, and then she had a mentor. She was allowed to talk to her. This was a part of her, these are all Latin, and I meant to look up the pronunciations, integritas level. Probably messing that up. Never studied Latin. Six years, Jules, you nailed it. Well done. I'm just doing my best. In order to graduate from this level and gain more freedom, Elizabeth had Elizabeth and some of her peers who came to Holbrook around the same time, they kind of got grouped together and they had to go through a workshop. And we'll talk about these workshops because they were absolutely awful. Students who went through a workshop were not allowed to talk about workshops with other students who had not yet completed that level. There are different levels. We'll talk about them. Walking in, you don't know what to expect because it's not like Lisa did last week, so she's going to tell me what to expect. And then when I do it, I can tell you what to expect. It's like you're walking in blind. Elizabeth was getting ready for her first workshop and her and her classmates were brought into a classroom with blackout curtains over the window. They started at dawn and the day was very long. The workshop started with the students writing something called honor lists in which they had to confess to everything that they did that was against a school rule or standard. Just to give you a sense of some of the rules, some of the items on Elizabeth's very first honor list She wrote, I stayed in the bathroom after lights out. Maggie told me my pants were too tight, but I wore them anyway. I skipped breakfast once. I pushed the food around on my plate and threw it away. I broke bands by smiling at Charlotte in the hallway. It's not like she's sneaking out and doing all these major things. She smiled at someone and that's breaking a rule. So she has to write it on her honor list. They had a very strict dress code. Do you know how much trouble I would have gotten in for staying in the bathroom for too long? In my mind, the way I pictured it all was that they lived in little trailers and there's just cots and they have a shared bathroom and they weren't allowed to stay in for too long in the first place, number one, or pass lights out. I don't even want to talk about what type of punishment I would have received for spending too much time in the bathroom. Like well, right. That's why I'm like, sometimes, yes, you're in and out, but other times, I don't know. It's just... I'll go sit in there and chill and look at my phone just to be away from people people for a little while. Well, that was the thing. You weren't really allowed. You didn't have that freedom. And in that same regard was the dress code. Elizabeth's parents had sent a bunch of her clothes from home and they essentially had to throw them all out because they didn't meet dress code. In my mind, again, I pictured kind of khakis and a button down. Very basic. Couldn't be too tight. How did her parents not like... We'll talk about catch on somewhere. Like, yeah, I'm in hell. You know, they sent her there, Matt. Right, they sent her dad. Her her dad was at the door when they carried her away. 
but they didn't even realize the the dress code like I, it sounds like they're sending her clothes and they're like oh it's not gonna fit dress code like, you send her there like you didn't realize how bad it was and like mm. i certainly hope they didn't know and we'll talk more about it when we get past because this is literally just the beginning yeah the absolutely asinine rules and she, elizabeth went through so much she had stated during while they were writing these honor lists that the staff would walk around asking you if you were sure that was everything. They almost wanted you to confess more and more to the point where, like, do you just want me to lie? Do you want me to say I broke the rule? It was weird. They weren't just happy with what you had said. After the honor lists, the students identified their heroes and they went around the room giving each other compliments. Not a bad exercise. Again, through this whole thing, there are are positive aspects, but lines were crossed, obviously. After the uh, compliments were given, there was something called a disclosure circle where the group went around sharing their darkest secrets. Elizabeth had confessed to giving a blowjob. Some kids confessed to drug use, shoplifting, etc. The circle had to keep going until the staff said so. Again, it's kind of like they weren't happy with your honor list. They're not happy. Like, do you, do you want me to lie? Do you want me to, if I'm confessing all my deepest, darkest secrets, I'm eventually going to run out of things. Speak for yourself, babe. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Maybe one person has something to keep sharing, but the circle had to keep going around. Elizabeth said, What if they just keep coming back to the same motherfucker? (laughs) Yeah, everybody's lying and then there's one person in the corner. I definitely said some shit to her I shouldn't have said. Yeah. Elizabeth said that they went around the circle a few more times, running out of things to say just as the staff was demanding an escalation. The third round seemed to be when the lies started coming out. The only options were making something up or sharing something really dark and personal. The whole group was emotionally and physically exhausted. They had no idea what time it was because they were in this classroom with the blackout curtains. And they were just hoping to be done for the day. They didn't know if this was a one-day workshop, two days. They didn't know if they would be there all day. They knew nothing. But unfortunately, there was still more as part of this workshop. Elizabeth was called up to sit in a chair in the middle of the group. And in her exact words, this was what happened. The door swung open and a group of more senior students entered the room. They looked like hunters, thirsty for blood, and I felt like the deer they had sighted in their scopes, ready to shoot. Before I could catch my breath, I was in the thick of it. I was being roasted by the older kids and my peer class alike. My disclosures were being thrown in my face. I was a slut all over again, a dirty slut who gives blowjobs, because I have no self-worth and the men in my life don't love me. Fifteen people I'd never spoken to in my life told me I was a pathetic whore desperate for attention. Insane. Insane. And at that point, she was 15. I don't know. Crazy. That night, they had stayed up until 4 a.m., each student being ripped apart with the confessions they had previously made. That was the same thing we saw from Synanon, right? You're in what you think is a safe environment you're sharing your secrets and they're just being thrown back in your face i guess i understand the point of it it's just to expose people as much as possible so they really have no place to hide not even feel intimate with yourself or have any secrets with yourself it's a lot easier to break people down psychologically feel like you can control their thoughts well i i have to think that the whole thought of this school and the others like it and Lisa had mentioned there are others and 
we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I think the goal was to eliminate these negative behaviors, whatever they were that they were seeing in these children. They just broke them down and didn't build them back up. And there's a way to break habits and cycles of substance. I don't know, but it's not this. There has to be the building back up, which doesn't happen. The next morning, the workshop continued, even though they were there until 4 a.m. And it started with something called demon fighting, where the group was encouraged to take out their frustration on a pillow. After that, the sick, strange workshop was finally From there, Elizabeth kind of gets a little more freedom. She graduates into her next phase. She was finally able to talk to all her friends because she wasn't at that point able to talk to anyone except staff and her mentor. She made some friends and she joined the cake committee who was in charge of making birthday cakes for everyone at Carlbrook. At Carlbrook, there were a few different levels of punishment, mild infractions, which I don't even know what that could be, meant running crews or peer-on-peer punishment, scrubbing toilets and carrying water jugs pointlessly around the lake. The next level was what was called a program, which meant a month or two of isolation. Again, where you're not talking to anyone, you are not interacting with the, the general population. Doing something really bad would get you sent back to the woods where Elizabeth started, and that was her worst fear. From the woods, if you got sent there, you would either come back to Carlbrook or go into a further lockdown, which I'm sure was just beyond any sort of fear that Elizabeth could even imagine. The next workshop was called A-M-I-C-I-T-I-A. I'm muted. I just saw it. Damn it. Wow. I'm talking to myself. It sounds like it comes from the Latin word amicus, which is friend. Right. It has to do with friendship. Amakiat. Makiati. I'm going to go with it. it. The theme of this workshop, as that's what I could tell. I knew it had to do with friendship. Um, this workshop was prompted by one of Elizabeth's friends had run away. She left the school and ran away, which was very uncommon because usually if they ran away, they were brought back and then used as an example. Everyone was fearful of doing it that they didn't. Or she had said one person had actually gotten away. And then when you come back, your life is so much worse. They didn't honestly try to run away too often. But one of Elizabeth's friends did. That prompted this workshop. As an element of friendship, they talked about give and take because there is give and take in any sort of relationship. And the group started out by telling each other how what they admired about their sense of giving in a friendship. Again, not a bad thing. You know, talking, breaking apart a relationship and talking about what each person brings to it. Next came a conversation about taking. And Elizabeth received the following remarks. You take because you can. That's selfish. You aren't even capable of being a true friend. You care more about being liked than doing the right thing. People who hardly know her are saying all these awful things about her and who she is as a friend. After that came another disclosure circle. People made confessions about bestiality, eating disorders, and self-harm. Elizabeth said, I decided that one of two things had to be true. Either the kid who had talked about the bestiality was really sick or he made the story up. Because again, it was that same thing of 
go around the circle until I tell you to stop. You either are going to just tell your same three dark secrets or you're going to eventually start making things up. The workshop has this sick pattern of building you up and tearing you down because then the next activity was a seemingly positive one. Everyone was given a paper heart to decorate with things that were meaningful to them as children. People, places, things, if you had a nickname, a positive exercise and activity followed, you know, following this same disgusting pattern. After you were done with your heart, they were given the following instructions. Every time you hear a judgment about yourself, I want you to rip off a piece of your heart and let it fall to the floor in front of you. Elizabeth described the experience by saying, I wanted to stay as detached as possible. I was in a movie playing a role. That lasted only so long before I began to break apart. I don't know which hurt more, the judgments I gave or the judgments I received. Because as much as you want to sit around and stay detached, you still have to participate. And that means taking criticism and giving it, which is awful. That horrible heart exercise ended day one of the workshop. The next day was no better, but things took a physical turn. Everyone stood in a circle, Red Rover style. They would take turns being on the outside of the circle and using all their physical strength to break through. After this ended in physical and emotional exhaustion, you went back to join the circle. Elizabeth said, if I stopped for even a moment, the staff just screamed at me to, to keep running. There were only three ways that this would end. I could break on through, break a bone, or break down completely. It, was, it wasn't just like, oh, you try once to get in the circle, you're done. You have to keep trying to break through people who they're, they're thinking, I'm not going to let you break through. You're on the outside thinking, all I need to do is break through. And it was awful. Physically and emotionally exhausting. That workshop was finally over. For one of her assignments, if you can even call it that, Elizabeth once had to list a hundred things she hated about herself. Another assignment required her to go around school and ask every staff member two things that they liked about her and two of their harshest judgments. Again, this pattern of building up and tearing yeah. down. A hundred things she doesn't like about herself? I could probably name you ten. Well, right, and that's the thing. They're not going to... Too bad. Take your list back. Your assignment was to do a hundred things. I'd be like, I don't like this skin cell. I don't like that skin cell. I don't like that skin cell. <laughs> Right. And then what, what bothered me too about the other assignment is it's different to like go to one of your peers and say, what are two things that you like about me and two things that are negative? But they were staff members, adults who you would think would know better and wouldn't be a part of it. But it kind of reminds me of the Stanford prison experiments, which we, I don't think we've covered and we have to cover. But it seems like when people are given positions of power, especially in a situation where you're being goaded to be abusive, because uh, there's no better way to say that. If you're with a bunch of people who are doing the same thing, it's that mob mentality. You just do it. You, you get that power trip, and it seems they all seem to feed off of each other. Because, I mean, we think... It's like they take that as the norm, the new yeah. norm for moment. Well, and if they're in control, right? It's a power trip. It's versus prisoners, that kind of mentality. And we've seen time and time again... When that situation has escalated and the guards get a power trip and the prisoners get severely abused. And it almost seems like that's what's happening here, which is scary to think that parents willingly sent their kids to this place thinking. 
it's a school. I, that's what's right. fucking me up is like, they were like, oh yeah, here's some, some clothes that we don't think really will fit the dress code because we put you in that weak ass dress code. Suck it. Like, what? Yeah. Terrible, man. <laughs> these clothes. You in these, you in these clothes. The clothes are what you're caught on out of all of this? They're going to give you if you can live here. Here's, how's the food, bitch? <laughs> just terrible. It's terrible. And it, it just, like, you have to think. Well, what I was going to say, and I don't know if I included this in the case, but in the book, they talk about how one of the main higher-up guys went to one of these schools as a child. It's like, again, a weird, sick cycle. But you would think that you'd want to go away and do the opposite of what you how you were tortured we'll have to get a psychologist or psychiatric person on the show because i'm always curious about that as well how when people who are abused are statistically more likely to continue the abuse because right. you said you would think that it would be the opposite you would know i hated that that was torturous to me i don't want to do it to anybody else but i know it's obviously more What's it called? Inside your head. More innate than that. It's not, it's subconscious. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm going to go out and abuse people today. Although this kind of feels like, like, <laughs> bro, you were physically tortured and you went back and like did this to other people. Right. I really, really enjoyed reading Elizabeth's memoir, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is so heavy. I'm not even doing it justice. I mean, we have more to share, but it was just, it was awful. The next workshop, because um, that was the big theme, um, uh, was called Animus, which involved more verbal abuse and physical violence. Fight night, as it was called, this is a quote, fight night um, was structured like a boxing match with three rounds lasting three minutes and 58 seconds. The amount of time it took for Eye of the Tiger from the movie Rocky to play. There was No, that's what they did it on? What kind of fucked up people were these? There was a lot, and I didn't do a great job with including it, but there was a lot of ties to music. Like when they did the Red Rover circle type thing, they played Break On Through by the Doors or whatever. I don't know the exact title. No way. Wow. I, all right. I mean, I'm still weirded out, but now I'm even more intrigued. I'm like, what was like Rock of Missionados? Yeah. I'm telling you, I would really recommend reading her memoir because I tried to do it justice, but there's so much in she talked about how strangely and not necessarily tied to anything, but strangely they would play the soundtrack to Les Mis. <laughs> what? And just like like weird musical things. I'm oh telling. man, I kind of like these people now. Not really, but I like their musical taste. They have some great sound choices, but all the other choices are awful. Fight Night, they used Eye of the Tiger to kind of time it out. There was no jabbing or throwing left hooks, only a pointless, incredibly painful exercise. It went like this. As soon as we heard those first notes kick in, we'd put the towels in our mouths. We'd simultaneously bite down and pull up, creating tension like our jaws were about to pop out of their sockets. That was how Elizabeth described the whole process. What? Yeah. I don't understand this. They had to do it for three rounds for three minutes and 58 seconds each they had to bite down on a towel and pull up at the same time they're physically and psychologically torturing these guys yes. yes. to what end is well there are more workshops Sadism? <laughs> they're just fucking weirdos like dude weirdos 
Day one of the workshop didn't let out again until 4 a.m. Day two included the 15 students in the group physically fighting for four seats on a pretend lifeboat. There was 15. It was like battle to the death musical chairs with four seats. They held pretend funerals for themselves and had to write their own obituary. Very strange. The Animus workshop really left Elizabeth feeling depressed. She tried to stay strong throughout the whole thing, but it felt like that was when she started to crack. She even thought and listed six ways to kill herself. By the time her 17th birthday rolled around, somehow Elizabeth was trying to take on a more positive approach. Just in time for another workshop. Tenio was the workshop that scared us the most. This is a quote. If there was even a theme, it all got lost in the rumors about brainwashing and hypnosis. I'd seen countless kids return from Tenio looking exhausted and lifeless, totally blank behind the eyes as if possessed by the Karlbrook devil. Another quote, Elizabeth describes the workshop. She said it lasted for four days, four days of sleep deprivation, dehydration, on top of whatever mind fuckery they put us through, was enough to leave me with compromised memories of that workshop. To me, I felt like I was reading a book of fiction, and I had to keep reminding myself it was real. Insane. Some of the memories, obviously that was one of the tougher ones for her to recount in the book, but Elizabeth said some of her memories included running in place, speeches about rock bottom, in air quotes, and more degrading talk. Sounds like a, a Hunger Games slash Criminal Minds episode. Weird like a plot. mental Hunger Games. Like More Hogwarts like- for psychopaths. Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> Just absolute debauchery. Insane. Did parents know all of this before they sent their kids to these places? I assume they mustn't, but we'll we'll talk about that because I want to know your opinion. They went to a woman who recruited, like, or talked her parents into sending her here. You guys ever see the movie Heavyweights? I'm sorry to pull yes. out a random yeah. Here we go again. What I'm talking about, Jules, when the guy comes, he's like, Camp Hope is great, Jerry. You're going to love it down there. And he's trying to pitch him. And then he shows in the video, he's like, It's a Not magic. Camp, yeah. 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 Great movie. Great, great movie. That's what this reminds me of. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's for reformed kids. And it's like, Wait, it's a fat camp. Like, are you fucking? Yeah, they're torturing people. Well, Lisa had mentioned Paris Hilton, and we'll talk about her a little bit later, but she. Her school was called Provo Canyon. It's not like there was one of these schools. It was literally like, you have your choice of which sadistic, therapeutic boarding school you want to send your kids to. That's, yeah. And I think that, the, like, I, we'll talk that. about it more later, but I, I hope the intent was positive and, like, we need to save her so her life doesn't spiral, but I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, Elizabeth's graduation was quickly approaching. She only had one more workshop left, Veneratio, which was a five-day workshop. Some of Veneratio was spent reflecting on previous workshops. More time was spent running in place again, and there was more shouting of insults, the verbal abuse, etc. This is like, I'm sorry I keep making these weird comparisons, but it's like I keep drawing comparisons to like the Navy SEALs, except they're not training for anything. They're just fucking with them. Speaking of, though, the Navy SEALs just had a few people die from their thing that's a lot like this. Oh, wow. They're being food. Additionally, Elizabeth and some of her peers had to carry around cement blocks, which symbolized the baggage of their lives. 
it was really like they were attacking them from all aspects. It's one thing to be emotionally exhausted. It's another thing to be physically exhausted, but they were doing it all. It was, it was awful. The group was forced to watch the tent. And I put this in air quotes because I'm not familiar and maybe one of you will be. They were forced to watch as a part of this workshop, the 10 minute rape montage from Requiem for a Dream. Does anyone know Requiem for a Dream? Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> oh, I've never seen that. Yeah, it's a very good movie, but a very fucked up scene. Yeah. It's the last, what, 30 minutes of the movie? Right? Yeah, pretty much the whole lot. Well, don't spoil it, but yeah, pretty much. I thought you were going to say Clockwork Orange, though. All both um, great movies, but both very, very sick movies. But that, what is wrong with it? Were they there for eight years? Like, it feels like every, every day was eight days long. It's like college, dude. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like they went through a lot. Well, like, her camp started when she was 15. And she graduated when she was 17 from, like, they made her do this shit for two years. Get me out of here. Yeah, including her time in the woods. I'd have done some dumb shit. This is the kind of stuff that makes you go, come back and kill your whole family. Well, I included some some aspects of her life after. Oh, can't wait. How can you How can you live a normal life afterwards? And it was really weird to me because it seemed like they did some schooling while they were at Carlbrook, like academic school. <laughs> what, were, what were they learning while they were there? Well, like, right. But then because Elizabeth was supposed to go back to high school when she was done. But I don't know if that's because of her age. Because typically, and I say typically, you graduate high school when you're 18. It was like she didn't have enough t credits or I don't know. I don't know what they did. It seems like all they did was physically emotionally psychologically torture these children which is just awful they were like we're gonna have math but if you get a problem wrong you have to do the next one naked on one foot right and everyone will just pick apart your body yeah i don't know i mean this was it was awful finally it was time for elizabeth to graduate i feel weird even saying that and elizabeth could hardly believe that she was getting to leave carlbrook for good she did have one chance where she got to leave for a weekend or something. And it was just like she went home and her plan was to beg her parents to let her stay at home. And obviously that didn't work. But I feel like that also in itself is a form of mental torture. Like, oh, you want to you can go home for a weekend once the whole time you're here. Elizabeth's parents came for her graduation. They treated it like a full blown ceremony. It was weird. On the drive back, leaving Carlbrook and going to her house, Elizabeth stated, she said, my mother turned to me from the front seat, smiling, and handed me a small gift wrap box. Inside was a beautiful gold charm bracelet. Oh, I thought it was going to be her, someone's head. Sorry. Oh, no. Just listen, though, because it's not all it's cracked up to be. Uh. She says, it was just like the one my mom had that I'd always admired, but instead of a charm for each of her children, and one for their parents' wedding, which are the charms that her mom had. Her bracelet was Carl Brook themed. There were six charms in all, five inscribed with the names of the workshops, and one for the date of my graduation. Oh, hell no. It sounds like they have a gift shop that they really sucker these parents into. They're like, hey, hey, we have a great array of shit you can get your kid on graduation. On the way out of Funland, you have to walk through the gift shop to get your kid. Don't forget to get your kids the commemorative hoodie. They're going to love not, that. Not <laughs> that. <laughs> the fuck up, dude? 
<laughs> Yo. She said, she said it showed me just how deeply the school had conned them. My parents had given me a reminder of my prison set in lovely, shiny gold. They're like, so you have, I, I vacillated with this a lot because they were con. Obviously, they knew they were sending her to a therapeutic boarding school, but I don't know. It was whatever. Your child contemplated suicide after workshop four. We got you a commemorative video. We're going to get right. you the DVD form at graduation. It's like, what the fuck, dude? I know. It's only for three ninety nine. Absolutely wild. That's just disgusting. I, I'm disturbed. I know it's these places still un- exist too. That's what's really fucking with me. No, I, I had to keep reminding myself that this is real. It was hard for Elizabeth to adjust to life after Carl Brook. She found herself becoming all the things that Carl Brook called her—a drug abuser. Which she didn't do drugs before. She bought drugs, but she said she didn't use them. I don't know. Uh, she's also a bullshitter, but okay. I mean. I'll take her word because she's a tough-ass bitch. But she became all those things because she was broken down. She became the drug abuser, the party girl, the whore, all those things because she was told for years that that's who she was. She argued with her siblings and parents. She said she felt even angrier than she was before she left. The whole thought of sending her away to, to help her was ineffective. Elizabeth had moved out of her house and eventually settled in California with Luke, who was one of her former friends at Carlbrook. The two took partying to an extreme, drinking and doing drugs in a very dangerous manner. Elizabeth developed an eating disorder and was just really struggling with her life, as you can only imagine. I can imagine. Right. Having no freedom, having having to go from living and, and planned torture that nobody seemed to question and then just go out and be expected to live. I just want to say real quickly for all the other class clowns that are listening to this, if I had gone to this high school, I was I was kind of a bad kid at like elementary school, middle school. Then I went to a private high school. I got in a lot of trouble freshman year because I just kind of like I wasn't really well adjusted to the idea that like you can't talk out of turn or you'll get detention you can't be late or you'll get detention you can't do certain things you can't just walk around the halls like I remember at Gateway used to be like if you had to go to the bathroom you just like you get a hall pass or you just ask can I go to the bathroom like I one time in Central I was just wandering the halls out of free period and I didn't I probably didn't respond how I should have but a teacher asked me, like, what are you doing out here? I was like, nothing. Just get something from my locker. And they were like, where are you supposed to be? And I said, nowhere. Like, just like that. And I got written up. And I was like, I got two days of detention for that. It sounds a lot like the Rivers Casino moment. It's exactly like that, Lise. But oh, I, no, truth be told, I really gave some attitude. I was kind of like, why are you questioning me? I have a free period. I'm just at my locker, you know? But in this school... In this school, I would have been such a bad kid. I would have done some stupid shit during all of these, anything, workshop trials. I'd have, I'd have been fucking them up. They'd had to reschedule it for next week when I wasn't there. I'd have been doing some dumb shit. Cause I'm telling you, yo, I would never be able to do that. No freedom, no authority. You wouldn't be breaking me either. I'd be a month into acting like a good kid, and then a cow runs through the workshop, and they're like, who did that? And I'm standing there going, mm. 
like, no way. I don't understand. I'm sorry. I was such a bad kid. I feel like this would have really just sent me over the edge. I mean, I feel like Elizabeth was strong and eventually broke. I mean, she was there. Th- this is two years of her. She was. She didn't seem like she was a bad kid. Like, Well, right. This is two years of, of your life. I feel like it's different when you have an end in sight. And, and yeah, I don't know. It was just, I mean, this is awful. And I can't. Especially at that age, too, where like everything is still so underdeveloped and everything is dramatic and you don't have as much life experience to be able to look back on. Like, there's just. It's a shame. I mean, they really yeah. fucked those kids up on. Yeah. Despite her time where she was really, really struggling with her life, Elizabeth eventually was able to find peace, but she did that by just blocking out all the memories of Carl Brook um, and just compartmentalizing that part of her life, which, you know, isn't the best strategy. Works for a short term, but. Right. Short term. Exactly. And in that, in that note, her philosophy kind of changed. In, in 2015, Elizabeth received a call that one of her best friends from Carlbrook, Maya, had killed herself. Maya was the reason that Elizabeth decided to stop hiding from the pain that Carlbrook had caused and face it head on. Maya was the inspiration for Elizabeth's book. Elizabeth closed out her book with some very powerful lines. I know I have used a lot of her quotes in, in this case, but I feel like they're, she's eloquent in the way she describes them. But these two lines, I absolutely needed to share. She ends the book by saying, To those who didn't survive, you deserved a different ending. To those who are still surviving, you deserve to be understood. Which I think perfectly encapsulates the way that, I mean, the, these kids are put, regardless of their parents' intent or knowledge, they're struggling and they needed help. And all they needed to be was understood and in a different way. I mean, this was just a horrific thing to to read about, yet alone to go through. What a um, there, man. That time of life to be put through something. Like that. Right. I read, and you have to think there's no way to ever fully recover with as much therapy as you can pay for. Elizabeth is an actress and a writer. Although she still drinks occasionally, she has never touched drugs since her struggle that she had with her friend Luke. She's believe this guy's forgiven her parents for sending her through the troubled teen pipeline. She says, it's definitely painful, but at the same time, many people were lied to. I get being scared for your child and wanting to help them. She's such a badass. I'm, I'm good for her for having that. Right. Wow. You have to think there's different levels, obviously, in dealing with this. And one is dealing with what you went through while you were there but two is dealing with the fact that you were sent there her dad stood at the door when these strangers carried her out of the home can you imagine ever being able to forgive him or or the mom like i don't know just powerful elizabeth's memoir brought a lot of attention to these so-called schools many of which are still in operation across the united states as we said paris hilton shared a similar story in her 2020 documentary called this is paris she claimed she endured abuse as a teen while attending Provo Canyon School in Utah. Just like Elizabeth, Paris was kidnapped from her bed in the middle of the night. Once she arrived at the school, Paris was allegedly beaten, drugged, abused, verbally, mentally, and sexually, and was forced into solitary confinement. Provo denied Paris's abuse allegations, claiming they had fallen under new management and thus were not liable for any previous wrongdoing. 
What the fuck? Carl Brook has been closed since December of 2015. After 14 years of operation, they the school cited declined enrollment as the reason for shutting its doors. No punishment, quote unquote, was ever doled out to Carl Brook. Provo Canyon, where with Paris Hilton, is still open. Another powerful quote Elizabeth had said, these places are still going because nobody has proof of anything. There's just no evidence of abuse. Are they on law? I mean, like, is there like, everybody's got hate mail these days. Like, is there any outspoken survival witness testimony online? I mean, can we find anything for these people to point to? Like, hey, please, someone acknowledge, acknowledge this. I mean, Elizabeth has a whole book. Paris Hilton had her documentary. Those two very reputable women talking about their experience and it's not enough. Uh, So have some discussion questions. Do you think these schools prey on scared and frustrated parents? And what's the parents' culpability? Are they all victims? I've vacillated with this a lot. I want to know your thoughts. I, 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 I don't like that term. I don't like the term victim. I think victimized. Maybe. I don't like the term victim. They didn't go through what their daughter went through. They didn't go through what their kids went through, these parents. I I feel like, yeah, you got to be somewhat sympathetic, I think, because they probably didn't know the full extent of it. But, like, they didn't know Tony Perkis was buying Camp Hope. But at the same time, it sounds to me like they were at least complicit enough to be like, well, in movies or even, like, you've probably heard people say it like, Maybe that'll be good for him. Maybe a little kick in the ass or maybe a, a little extra Absolutely. discipline will be good for him. Yeah, like that yeah. used to get said about me. Like a little extra discipline and he might be or you could do this if you just. And I think that's such a cop out for these parents to be able to say like, well, they, they, maybe that was what she needed. A little bit of extra kick in the ass to really focus her in that time of her life. And it's like. I think people just kind of wrote that off and threw that under the rug and said, well, whatever she's going through, she'll be all right. And it sounds to me like they didn't really understand the full Well, extent. just to play devil's advocate with you, though, this obviously wasn't their first solution, right? They tried True. lots of things. True. They, they're frustrated because their daughter is spiraling. They're scared because they want to intervene before it's too late. But what more do you do? Like, I think I if I was well whenever I'm a parent whatever that may be my kid's not going anywhere until I go through it myself I walk through it I see the program I see what's going to be going on I'm not going to trust a brochure or some weirdo people that are like called I'm not going to take a recommendation unless it came from one of you directly like and then I, I agree more with what you said like if I've never experienced it or like even like I want to see what's going to happen at this summer camp. What What are the activities you have? What do those look like? Are they safe? Camp was one that, see, like, because when we were growing up, least everybody we knew went to Emma Kaufman camp. I did. You included, exactly. My mom even used to say, I couldn't send you guys to camp. And we was always kind of like, we went to day camp, touch the earth camp at Monroeville Park. You remember that shit? Touch the earth. My brother did touch the earth, yeah. Yeah, like, but, but Jules, if you went to camp, like, it was like, you just get dropped off there. And like, it's not the same people, or maybe it is, but my mom used to say, like, 
I don't know who that person is that's running this camp. Maybe they're a teacher during the year, or maybe they're somebody's mom, or maybe they're somebody fucking random. You assume the best, but it always used to kind of be like, my mom was like, during the, the years when she was able to be at home when we were really young, she was like, I'd rather just spend the day with you guys than drop you off at camp because I, I don't know what's going on when you're there. I don't know if you're being told something that I don't want you to hear. I don't know if you're being around weird people. You can see specifically it's a Jewish camp. My parents went there and like. No, no, EKC is not the neighbor. That's like a sleepaway camp. Yeah, that's like a whole tradition and like, yeah, very different. But, but that's why it's different. And they do know the people that run it. And they, my yeah. uncle's best friends with one of the owners. It's like, it's been around for years, but. No, I, not, only reason I brought that up is because that's the one that we all know of. Not anything to do with what I'm. No, 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 I know. But what I'm saying, no, I didn't, I'm not saying that to imply that you were saying that EKC was bad, but I'm saying like, yeah. my parents did the same thing. They wanted to know where we were going. Right. When I went to go to a summer camp called Camp Conoquay, my parents came up, checked it out, saw what was going on. There are levels of responsibility of being a parent. And I think if you're at your wits end, sure, there's there's definite routes you need to take to make sure your kid's safe and healthy and make sure things are going better. And there's only something you could take as a parent. But to just kind of drop them off at a wilderness camp and knowing, because they had to have some semblance of idea of kind of like, because unless they were truly crazy and in that case then they're really they're worse than I thought and they knew nothing about it and they just dropped off and said hey fix her figure it out and everyone's like cool okay but if they had any idea of it they kind of they like they probably knew it was like an outdoor camp right where they would do hard labor to learn life skills to kick these bad kids into shape because that's kind of still what people go through but at the end of the day I mean sure no one could imagine the horrors but there are levels to being a parent and there are levels you should be taking things into consideration, especially if your kid's bad. And especially if like, like, I want to know what the parents knew about this place prior to sending her there. Yeah, I think they had to do it. Did they just think it was a let's build fires in the woods type of thing? Or did they know that like it was this call where they're chanting at them and telling them to like tell all their sins to each other and beating each other up in a fight club? What... What did they know? I feel like they had to have known something. I think they were sold a therapeutic boarding school and they knew elements. I'm going to be the parent that hosts the sleepovers because I don't want my children going to your house unless I know you. Like, whatever. I get that. But say your child wants to go to school. I don't know. NYU. None of us have ever been there. We can go toward the campus. We can talk to people. We can like, but you still don't know. You spend a week in there, spend a week there, you're still not going to see all the ins and outs. I feel like they were sold the idea of a therapeutic boarding school. I'm sure they were told there'll be self-reflection. There will be journaling. There'll be hard labor sometimes and whatever, but they're not going to, nobody's going to admit, yep, we're going to emotionally, physically torture your children. I would be like, let me talk to some of the campers. Let me talk to some of these people. Let me see. And I'm sure they lie or whatever. We'll kick your ass when you get back. But like, I don't know. There has to be some culpability. I mean, like, yeah, but with your point, that's just living in the world. Like, okay, if you let your kid walk to the bus, they could be snatched. You can't protect your kid. But when you're willingly letting your kid go somewhere, and even school, 
your kid's going to be going to parties, getting drunk and being stupid. You have to make sure they have the tools in their belt to deal with that, that, that they make their responsible decisions or don't, whatever. But I think when you're sending your kids somewhere specifically because they're out of control that you feel like you can't take care of them anymore or they need some extra discipline because they're out of control, you have to have a level of responsibility. Sure, I don't think they knew. Like, I don't think they, obviously, I don't think they would have sent her there had they known what was really going on. I'm not trying to say the parents are innocent. I'm more playing devil's advocate. I just think it's a really hard situation to be in because you want to do anything that will help your child and you're sold this idea and, and you're kind of just desperate. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I went back and forth. What do you think? Your opinions, not like not just the devil's advocate part, but what are what do you think yourself? I think the parents have some responsibility, but then I think too, Elizabeth, all her communication with her parents was screened, right? It's not like she wrote them letters telling them all the awful things that happened, and they chose to ignore it. They didn't know. Yeah, so I'm sure they have so much guilt. What their thoughts were once they found out, like what was really going on. I think she had mentioned how, how guilty they felt and like her mom was just upset because that's what I'm saying. You have to, you have to think I'm going to do anything I can for my child to be in a better place mentally, emotionally before she spirals off the deep end. And how could you possibly know that you're sending her into this torture chamber? I just think it's hard to say the parents are absolutely responsible because I don't think they were. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, it's just. No, yeah, definitely not. No, I, I, the people who perpetrated these acts. Right. And we kind of got off on the parents there, but I definitely think they should just, I wouldn't call them victims. I would call them victimized. Well, what was a good system set up against. Right. I think they were preyed on because, yeah. They were desperate people who wanted help and they yeah. got taken yeah. advantage of by these cold um, people. Exactly. Another little tangent question I had for you. There were some, and I say characters because Elizabeth noted at the top of the book that she changed the names of her friends and things. There was these characters kind of throughout the book who believed or sort of played into the system thinking, if I just give this workshop my all, I'm going to come out on the other side. Like, my question, I guess, is like, do you think they tried to convince themselves? that having a positive approach was the best way to, to survive? Or do you think they truly believed it was the best? And that, I guess, we could talk about in terms of the other students, in quotes, and the staff. Like, do you think they really believed that they were doing something positive and helpful? Like, to me, I just can't wrap my brain. Or, and, like, as someone who was a teacher, I know there are there's always a, a child who's difficult to, to manage, but you have to think breaking them down emotionally is not a way to see positive results i don't know what do you do you guys do you think that anyone out there really believes in this system yeah but i think yeah. the people that work there it's more again like what we said prisoners versus guards i think they get wrapped up in the power trip of it all but i do think their parents that believe corporal punishment is the way to go with their kids or like hard labor, making them run laps outside in the snow or whatever, and making them dig 10 holes in the backyard and then fill them back up at ways to punish your kids. 
So yeah, I, I do think people genuinely believe this is helpful. And I'm sure it's like those people who already have the idea in their head that this could be helpful, talk to the people who run it. And then they get that reinforcement of like, oh yeah, look at what we do, how helpful it is. I mean, I was, I grew up in a household where spanking is frowned upon. Like there was never a time either one of my parents ever hit me, touched me, nothing like that was okay in my household. It's abuse according to my parents. And that's how I was raised. I can't fathom myself a world where I'd be like, oh yeah, make my kid verbally abuse my kid until they're shaking and crying and want to die and then beat them up or make them punch each other in the face a few times. That would never be something that I'd be able to personally understand. But there's people that are raised differently than me. And I know that there are militant families out there that do believe that being strict and a hard ass and and spanking and verbally abusing your kid is what builds them up because they become tough or whatever. I can see why I can't understand, but I can, like, I see that this happens. Well, that's what I was just going to say, too, going back to that one guy. And I don't know that he was the leader, but he was a, a big guy at the school, quote unquote, school, had been through the same experience. And so I think that go, goes to your comment of how you were raised. He went through it and maybe he felt like it was a good experience for him. And I don't know. I, it's just, this is like, was such a strange place. And it, like I said, it, it's real. It, it's happened to hundreds of people, I'm sure. Thousands. Yeah. Which is crazy. And you're right. The place that pairs... What's crazy, though, that the craziest part about that specific one to me, the Paris Hilton's, is that Paris Hilton has been speaking out about it. What parents on this planet are listening to the news or looking at this place? When you Google it, you're going to see Paris Hilton's stuff about it. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm going to pull up the website because I looked when I was writing because I know that Carl Brook had closed down, but I wanted yeah. to see it opinion. It's still there. Oh my goodness. It says compassionate behavior <laughs> health. What? Does, what does it say about their little systems? Uh, it just says give your child the help they need with their behavioral and mental development by enlisting the services of Provo Canyon School. Since we took ownership, I think that's what they what I had said earlier that they were like, oh, we have new management. We can't be responsible for what happened before. But it says since we took ownership in August 2000, our behavioral health center has placed a heavy focus on academic, therapeutic, and de developmental needs of our patients. We have programs for boys and girls at the elementary, middle, and high school levels. Obviously, this is horrible for children of any age. But can you imagine little elementary school students who just like can't, don't even know how to socialize? And they're I will say, Jules, the one thing that makes me more sad than maybe anything is the idea of like any kid at all ever any age but specifically young the young kids like that really just don't understand what's going on people who believe fear is the way to get to them I think we talked about it before because I'm pretty sure I, I brought this up to you guys but there's a video on TikTok I'll have to find it and send it to you if I haven't already but it's just this mom and her daughter acting their daughter is obviously in on it but it was to show what it looks like 
to your kid from your kid's perspective when you're yelling at them. And it breaks my soul in half because it's because you're right, Jules, they don't understand. They don't get why this is why they're being treated this. Another thing in terms of fear, I remember someone saying to me that we shouldn't when children do bad things, we shouldn't say like, I'm going to call the cops like because we sh- we're teaching children to have a fear of the police. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, there are real reasons to fear the police groups. Right. In our society that uh, have to live. That's a reality. But luckily. It's not for all of us. And so but then you if you teach them to become fearful of the police, then if they if there's an emergency and police are there, then kids will run away from them versus I'm thinking school shooting. Obviously, that's very drastic, but that's something that's always stuck out to me because I'm like, I'm never going to. And when I was a teacher, too, I was like, the police are here to help us. All that sorts of stuff. But one last thought I have on Provo Canyon, because I still have their website up. Insurances are accepted, guys. Don't worry. We can. Stock in hell. Yeah, we can submit this to insurance. Insurance. My question for you guys is who, I guess we should probably do rock, paper, scissors for who's going undercover for a few months to blow this whole. It's you, Matt. That is the answer to that question. It's good. 22 Jump Street style. Cool. Go in. All right. I will, uh, I'll be right there cheering you on. No, no, no. I got to do this solo, man. I can't potentially put anybody at risk. I should try to No, no, no. I'll be here cheering you on. I'm not going anywhere near these places. Although I think that would be really interesting. Very sad. But they say the same thing about the, I don't know if anyone here watches Dr. Phil but me, but I love it because it's just crazy. And not that I necessarily love Dr. Phil, but I love the cases he covers. But he sends a bunch of people to that ranch, Turnabout Ranch. But apparently there's been some drama. Same shit with Turnabout Ranch. People are saying, allegedly, that they're doing the same kind of stuff. It is pitched. When he sends people there, he says it's an outdoors, hands-on, no technology, learning how to build fires and hard labor. But people who've come out of there say it's like this kind of thing. But that's why it's mind-boggling. That's where I understand what you mean, Jules, is if Dr. Phil was telling me that my kid was going this place was going to be safe, I would probably be like, oh, like, okay, he's a renowned person. He wouldn't put his reputation on the line. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's just, it's complex because parents, and I'm not a parent yet, but I feel like it's like you'll do anything that will be helpful to your child. Definitely, definitely are... Listeners and Matt and Lisa both, I loved Elizabeth's memoir and I tried to do it justice, but there are further details and elements of her horrible experience. But she's a survivor and she is a badass woman. Shout out to Elizabeth. Thank you for sharing and bringing awareness. You are the bomb, Elizabeth. God love anybody who goes through this type of shit, man, because that sounds fucking terrible, to be honest with you. Crazy. I'm not trying to shit on anybody who thinks differently than me, but <laughs> here I go shitting on people that think differently than me. I think people should really look into psychology of these kind of things and long-lasting effects before doing this. And like, granted, there are some like we, we cover serial killers and people that like brutally murder people. There are people in this world that are pretty much irredeemable, and like, sure, send those kids to this fucking thing because. If they're killing cats, pissing their bed, and lighting fires, you've got a problem on your hands. Maybe this kind of thing would be good for that kind of thing. But if you have a rebellious teenage, especially girl, because girls go through it, 
Or, Lisa, it turns them into fucking serial-killing weapons. Think about that. Psychological torture. Somebody who's already got psychological pain, you turn them into a fucking monster. Damn. That was... Accelerate the process. That was crazy, too. It's very bad. And I think people need to... I don't know. Do the research. Maybe back when she was little, there was a little bit more of an excuse to not be understanding that this happened and blah, 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 blah. But now that, like... We're older, we talk about it, Paris Helen talks about it. There's the research out there about these types of places. There's little to no excuse to subject your kid to this kind of torture. It's just unfortunate that these schools are still open. I just don't know what sort of business they're It's crazy. But good case. That is, it's just sad to me. It is. I, it, and it, I thought it was a nice break from the norm but it's still awful yeah it's so. pretty awful let us know what you guys think do you agree with this type of place like do you think you there is benefit to sending your kid to this type of place should there be some sort of criteria because people are all built different too if you think about it. like some people are a lot more fragile than others or some people have a lot more emotional damage or whatever mental health considerations I wonder if these kids are screened before they go. I know even for EKC, they make you do a write-up on your kid. They have to know, have you had any issues, blah, 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 blah. I'm curious if there is any relations. Or if it's just like we take anyone and anyone and beat you down just the same. But let us know what you guys think. I'm very interested. That would be a really good book to read if, ever, if we, anyone here likes to read memoirs yep. like Jules and I. I love a good memoir especially when it's about this kind of crazy stuff but hey guys thank you for a great episode and rate review subscribe we would love to hear from you those ratings make us a happy 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 show and keep us rolling right along so yeah we look forward to hanging out with you guys on the next i for another episode done Toodles, poodles. Follow <laughs> me.